In today's episode, we're joined by the CEO and co-founder of Jet Dental, Jordan Smith. Jet Dental itself is an incredibly interesting business that does pop-up dental clinics for workplaces. But even more interesting is the story behind it all, the culture that drives it and the struggles they've had to overcome. Listen in as Jordan shares with us the values and philosophies he places at the forefront of his workplace culture. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Love as a Business Strategy, a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace. We're here to talk about business, but we want to tackle topics that most business leaders shy away from. We believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every successful business. I'm your host, Jeff Ma, and I'm joined today by my co-host and co-author, Mohammed Anwar. Hey, Mo, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Jeff. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. In each episode, as you know, we dive into one business or element of strategy and we test our theory of love against it. And I'm excited to have our guest today. His name is Jordan Smith. And Jordan is the CEO and co-founder of Jet Dental, which is an incredibly interesting business that I can't wait to talk more about. Jordan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I usually am on the other side of the podcast table and, and hosting yeah. I like this side a little better. It's, it's a little more comfortable. <laughs> Me too. Well, Jordan, I'm hoping today, while we have you, we can dive into more about your journey with Jet Dental and talk more about the role that culture plays in that business and through that business. And I know that the COVID pandemic had a significant impact on the business as well. Mm -hmm. I'd love to take a look through that lens and all that and more. But first, we do some icebreakers and yeah. just as just as awkward as they sound as you might know <laughs> but i'll make mo go first so muhammad today your question is if you could have dinner tonight with anyone in the world who would it be and why i'd have to go with tom herman only because i've been trying to Solid. get a hold of him to talk about you know his strategy and football and how he's played a big role in my transformation and helped uh you know our business direction so yeah i'd love to sit down for dinner with him and then uh, talk to him all about it yeah yeah so tom herman if you're listening you know <laughs> please reach out he's, he's been looking for you jordan same question if you could have dinner tonight with anyone in the world who would it be and why Okay, so the first thing that popped in my head was the safe and sappy answer, which is my wife. I mean, I always want to have dinner with my wife, right? But the fun answer, and I don't know why this popped in my head, but was Bob Costas. I love mm. sports. And don't you think Bob would be interesting? He'd have like he's met all these sports people and he's called all these games and all these events. And I don't know why that popped in my head. It surprised me it did, but that is what popped in my head. And I gotta find a way to reach out to Bob Costas now, I guess. So yeah. Good answer. All right. <laughs> Nice. Did not see that coming. And if he <laughs> knows Tom Herman, I also just didn't let me see know. that coming. <laughs> Jordan, and if he has connections with Tom Herman, you let me know. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, I'm okay, on it. Cool. <laughs> see, Jordan knows who actually listens to this stuff. His wife. So he got the he got the answer right. <laughs> Way more right. likely than Tom Herman or Bob Costas. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to dive, dive into it. And Jordan, I just want to just start by you know just opening up real light, please. Like. Tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, high level introduction, but you know, what are you all about? What are you passionate about? Yeah. Um, so I, as you said, Jordan Smith, I'm the co-founder and CEO of, of Jet Dental. So we're the premier pop-up dental clinic for workplaces nationwide. So we go set up a pop-up clinic at a business and employees can sign up online and come get their dental work done while they're at the office. It's free to the business. We just build their dental insurance. So that's uh, what I do for work. And that's what my company does across the country. Um, what I'm most uh, passionate about from a work standpoint, um, there's really three things I love when it comes to work. Um, the first is the people that I work with. Um, whenever my job satisfaction has been the highest, it's because I really love my team. Um, I, I enjoy working with them both uh, I think, you know, that I, I form friendships and relationships and I just enjoy being around them, but also they're challenging me and pushing me and, um, you know, they're people I admire. That's how I feel at Jet Dental right now. So it's a lot of fun because I, I really enjoy being with them, but they also, uh, I admire them. And so they push me and, and, and 
they make me want to be a better person, which is great. So that's kind of the first thing I think about when I think about my personal job satisfaction. And, and I'm always trying to steer myself towards something that accomplishes these three things. So the first is that team and the people. Um, the second, I really love doing something that I believe in. I know that's cliche, but um, I grew up in sales is kind of like my background. And it's always been really easy for me to sell something when I really believe in it. And so, um, you, you know, a, a, an example is like a vacuum salesman. I'm, I'm not knocking any, you know, vacuum is important. I, I have a Dyson that I really like and it sits on my wall. It's great. But for me personally, that wouldn't get me engaged and excited. And so um, I've always tried to go to things that um, I feel like are making a, a difference in people's lives and where I feel like, um, you know, I can get a lot of satisfaction from that. And then the third thing that um, really gets me out of bed every day uh, is just, I feel like I'm making a difference. And so I've, I've always tended to steer more towards startups or mid-sized companies where I felt like I could have a big influence and um, I, I don't like red tape. I don't like bureaucracy. And so uh, I like being able to, to work with the team where we can come up with ideas and come up with solutions and, and problem solve quickly on the fly and make things happen. So um, that's a little about me from a, from a work standpoint. And then personally, I, I have a couple of kids. I got a six-year-old and I've got a, a 20 month old and they're a lot of fun. And I mentioned right as we were getting on that I'm in my basement because the 20 year olds trying to go to 20 month olds trying to go to go to bed. So, um, so yeah, th th those two keep me busy and that's kind of my, my passion in my personal life. Absolutely. Um, just tell me a little bit more about your your story with Jet Dentals. I find it so interesting. It's such an awesome like business. How did you kind of get there? How did you stumble upon that or or start that idea? Like, tell me the story there. Yeah, um, it's a good question. So I don't have a dental background. I'm I'm just a business guy. Um, before this, I was the uh, VP of Sales, Inside Sales for a, a large call center. We had about 400 reps. Um, and I've always wanted to start my own business. My dad was a serial entrepreneur and he's had a lot of successful companies and exits. And, um, I went to, to school at BYU and, um, Brigham Young University and they, they have a entrepreneurship track and that's the track I chose. I'm just fascinated by entrepreneurship. And so, um, my dad had, had, had an exit from uh, a company he was working on. And we kind of said, Hey, let's see if we can find an opportunity to work on together. And so we started looking at um, businesses to buy. Um, we started um, thinking of ideas and, and really the first goal was let's see if we can find something we can buy and, you know, scale it. And we really didn't find anything we liked in that process. We came across a company that was for sale and they did uh, mobile dental, but for nursing homes. And they were just in one state, like in California or something. And um, it was a, uh, the, the owner was a dentist and his wife was a hygienist. It was just them, just the two of them. And they would go and do, you know, help nursing homes. And they wanted an absurd amount of money for their business. Um, I remember asking like, well, how many clients do you have? And it was like, oh, I don't know. Just when we're, we need work, we call, you know, so they didn't really have a business. They just had this lifestyle thing that they thought maybe they'd unload because they're ready to retire. So we weren't interested in buying the business, but um, maybe like six months later, that idea came back to us. Like, well, what, what if we could do mobile dental or pop-up dental or whatever you want to call it for businesses? So we started talking to um, some business owners we knew that had large, successful tech companies here, here in Utah, where I live. And um, they said, yeah, we, we like that. And um, so we came up with kind of that idea there. We, we partnered with a dentist here locally who also loved the idea and and that's kind of where uh jet dental was born and so um we got kind of our first handful of businesses and and we got rave reviews from people doing it and and really the when we knew we had something was i think when we started seeing that nearly everybody we were seeing hadn't been to the dentist in over two years and that's still the case today the average jet dental patient hasn't been to the dentist in over two years so we realized that by making it convenient we were getting the people in the organization who needed it most to actually come and participate. And yeah. obviously healthcare and rising healthcare costs is a big deal for HR people and for companies in general. And so we realized we had a, a, not the whole solution, but we had part of a solution, at least from an oral health standpoint. Um, and, and so, yeah, that's kind of the founder story. Awesome. I love that. I, you know, I'm going to want to talk about culture. That's what we're here to talk yeah. about. So I actually, I actually see it from two different angles. I hope we can hit both. I think first I wanted, I'm curious about 
the culture within the walls of Jet Dental. Or yeah. The, the, you know, I want to hear about kind of your view on that. And second, I'd, I'd also want to, I'd be curious to know how the services of Jet Dental you see affecting the culture of the businesses that you that you bring it to. So both of these, I think, are really going to be some interesting topics. And why don't we start with kind of within Jet Dental? Like, to yeah. talk a little bit about your culture philosophy. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I think the best way to describe our culture is just to, to bring up our mission and our values. Um, so our purpose at Jet Dental is to make it easy for people to have great oral health with fanatical customer service or fanatical customer care. Um, and so I think that really is a driving force for us at Jet Dental. Um, it's not easy to set up a dental office every day, take it down and go to a new place. Um, our employees um, throughout the organization, especially in operations out in the field throughout the country, have a really difficult job. And um, the reason we have so many people, our office managers who are kind of like the general manager for the area specifically that have stayed with us for a long time is because they believe in our, our purpose and um, they see on a daily basis how we're helping people who really need it most. Again, as I mentioned, people who haven't been in a really long time. And I think a lot of people who got into dental care, it's because they wanted to help somebody, right? And so that's very motivating for them that they get to do something that on a daily basis is making a big difference. Um, second, I want to mention our values. So um, I think this is our values do a good job of describing the type of employees and the type of people that we have on our team, our, my teammates. Um, the, the first, our first value is one team. Um, I think we've got a really great culture of people who um, have each other's backs. We disagree and commit. That's an old Intel saying um, where they would get in a room and they would maybe argue about what was the right answer. But then they, once they left the room, they were committed and there was no um, backbiting meeting after the meeting type of stuff, right? We, we, we were uh, committed. And so we're not perfect. No company is. Um, we make mistakes. But in general, we've hired people who uh, care about teamwork. They want to be a good teammate. Um, they try to be a good teammate by extending trust and and giving people the benefit of the doubt, assuming the best in others. And so I think that value of one team really uh, highlights our culture. Um, I could give you story after story of you know, folks who've hopped in, even though it wasn't their responsibility to help another teammate out. Um, someone gets sick and an office manager flies from Arizona to Florida to cover that person's area, you know, to make sure that we give a fanatical customer service experience for the business, but also because they love their teammate and they want their teammate to succeed as well. Um, so that's our first value. Our second value um, is relentless. So um, we've got a team that is problem solvers. They uh, don't just say, oh, I have this problem and throw the dead cat on your desk is what I call it. Like, here, here's a dead cat. You deal with it. Like they, they try to think of solutions and they try to come up with a solution uh, to the problem. Um, and I think we, we have people who kind of leave no stone left unturned. They're constantly trying to improve their process or improve their, their function in the business. And then lastly is fanatical care. Um, time and time again, we get great MPS scores and great reviews on Google because I've got a team who really cares about people and they want to go above and beyond to um, give a great experience to start with. But if we screw up to make up for that and go, you know, even, even further and, and make up for that uh, if we make a mistake. And so I think literally it means, you know, we're fans of our customers and our partners and we want to be a good partner to them and we want to, to help them achieve their goals. So that answers kind of your first question a little bit about who we are. Um, and then second um, on how our, you know, our team at Jet Dental helps the organizations we serve. We're really uh, blessed and fortunate to um, serve over 600 businesses across the country. And um, all of them are, you know, top employer type businesses. You know, they, they get great reviews. And the reason they're bringing someone like us on is because they do these kinds of things all the time for their employees, right? They're always looking for, for ways to improve the environment. So, um, you know, I think, when it comes to culture, I, I really do think that the people you work with is the most important aspect of culture. Um, and there's studies that show that, you know, like McKinsey has a, a study that showed that, you know, your job satisfaction, interpersonal relationships is the biggest portion of your job satisfaction. And then within that interpersonal relationships, 
your manager relationship is the most important. It's like 80% of that section of job satisfaction. But certainly um, having a great environment um, makes a big difference. And I think one of the reasons why um, HR professionals love introducing Jet Dental, there's some obvious things that like, oh, that's kind of fun and, and unique and it doesn't cost me anything. It's just going through my insurance. But I think one of the big reasons why is because they really do care about their employees. And the reason they bring things like us and on-site mammogram and on-site vision and other things like that is because um, they want to show their employees, hey, we're not just going to offer good insurance benefits, but we really do want you to be healthy. And we want you to use those free benefits in dental. You know, it's two free cleanings a year typically. We really want you to use those benefits because we know preventive care can help you be a healthier person. And Obviously, there's some engagement aspects there, right? If you're healthier, um, if you have a more confident smile, even you're going going to perhaps perform better at work. But I think they do it out of love. I really do. I think they are offering stuff like us because they want their employees to be healthy and they want them to um, have those things. And so for dental, you know, a lot of dental offices have um, better hours than bankers, right? They're open three days a week, nine to four or whatever. And so for the average working American, it's not really easy or convenient to go to your dental office. I think pretty much all Americans know they should, but it's not easy to get off of work, right? You're going to take a whole afternoon off, drive over, you know, sit in traffic, sit in a waiting room where they're playing like overly emotional Michael Bolton music while you wait for, you know, like what, you know, it's not like the most customer centric experience. And so, um, you know, at Jet Dental, by making it convenient, we just get people to do what is the right behavior. And I think there's a lot of um, solutions like that in the marketplace. And we're just one small piece of that. That And, and you know, hopefully we can be one extra little reason why, um, you know, we make the experience at a, at a company better. I know, I know one, um, a, you know, VP of HR recently told me he loves the look on his face. They, they, have, they own car dealerships. And he said he loves the look on his face when they tell an employee like, yeah, and we have a dentist come to our office and they'll help you get your dental work done. And he said they like their jaws open because they're like, what? That's crazy. So literally. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Pun intended. So uh, anyway, that's uh, it's it, it's fun. I, I love what we do. And um, I think it's uh, it's it's fun when you have employees who are passionate about what they do and uh, customers who really love your service. That's it's a fun, uh, fun place to be. Do the insurance companies like you? They do. Yeah. So we get um, references from a lot of the insurance companies actually to their customers. So they refer us to their businesses. And again, a big reason why is because study after study after study shows that preventive care works, right? It, it helps you stay healthy, prevents worse things from developing, and also is way less costly. So in dental specifically, there's been a lot of studies done, um, one done by one of our great partners, uh, Cigna. Um, they, they studied over a, a million and a half of their members who had both the dental and the health insurance so they could track it all the way through. And they found that people who got regular preventive care had a decrease in costs over the next five years of like 35%. It's right around there. I, I might be misquoting it a little bit. Um, for those who did not get any dental work done on a regular basis, their costs increase by 43% over the same five-year period. And so um, that's just a look at the costs. There were also stats showing that they had 19% fewer hospital visits and 23%, you know, lower, um, ER, uh, visits or, or admissions. And so, uh, it's just clear that it works and it's a winning solution. Preventive care in general is a winning solution for, um, any organization or any individual. Yeah. I love that. I love, I love like how it seems to be a win for really everybody involved. It's kind of yeah. a win, 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 win. Yeah. It's fun. Wins. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm curious if you have any perspectives on the the challenges, I guess, more specifically, because I think culture is often forged in through hardships and yeah. kind of really, def it's easy to have quote unquote good culture when, you know, you're in the green and everybody's, you know, doing <laughs> what they love. Because I mean, you, you just defined, you know, the people who work for Jet Dental with the same three things that you opened with, like. Like they like the people they work with, they like doing, they're doing what they believe in. They, they're making a difference. So yeah. you found a, you found a great team, but it's easy to like be in that space and everybody's happy. Um, but what about when, do you have any examples of like challenges and things that when they go wrong, 
Where does what does your culture look like then? And, and do you have any like insights into that? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, as a business that relies on people to be in the office, COVID was really, really challenging for us. Sure. <laughs> um, when COVID hit, uh, we were kind of right on our hockey stick growth path. You know, we were um, month after month was tremendous growth. And all of a sudden, revenue dropped to zero for a couple months. You know, uh, most states were requiring that dental offices could not do preventive visits, right, or elective type stuff, which preventive typically would fall in in that case. So all of a sudden, we were like, whoa, we've got all these teams, um, all these managers that we've committed to across the country. Um, and, you know, we don't have anybody to serve. And so um, it was definitely... Uh, you know, it was interesting. I, I wouldn't say it was panic. It, um, I've been in, in other situations in other companies where there was like panic moments, but it didn't actually feel panicky. Um, we were fortunate. We just raised some money for the first time ever right before that happened in, in December of 2019. So cash wise, we knew we would be okay, but that we needed to make some decisions, right? That we were going to have to, um, unfortunately we did have to furlough folks, mainly like part-time folks in different areas, you know, some hygienists and assistants that, we just could see we weren't going to have any anything for them to do. I think fortunately, a lot of them already worked at other practices and they just worked for us part time. So it wasn't like their main source of income. But for for those folks that it was uh, their main source of income, uh, specifically like our general managers, our office managers throughout the country. Um, we we took a hard look at it and said, you know, we um, we really want to commit to these folks. Um, it's hard to find a good office manager. Um, I think they're really the secret sauce behind Jet Dentals. We've got these great people out in the field who hire great teams and then do a great job with the customer. And so um, ultimately, um, we we ended up committing to them uh, that hey, we're gonna we're gonna keep you on board and we're gonna figure this out together. So for some of them, um, that meant just keeping them on their full salary. For others. Um, they said, Oh, I can, I can do this. And so maybe pay me part-time kind of thing. And then we figured out stuff for them to do. We we did cross training type things. We had them help with credentialing, for instance, with our doctors so that when we came back, we'd be ready to go. Um, we took a hard look at all of our standard operating procedures and said, well, let's update these. Right. So, uh, COVID was a really challenging time. Um, and we're still dealing with it. I mean, we're, st we're still not fully, you know, hundred percent back from COVID, obviously everybody's experiencing this across the country. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's still affecting our business. Fortunately, we're back to where we're growing month over month again. And so it's, it's busy again. And that's, that's a lot of fun, but I do feel like, um, our office managers who were with us during that time that we committed to, um, are now more committed than ever and, and are stronger than ever. And, um, I was on an email chain with one of them specifically who we were able to help uh, with, you know, we, we did a, a few cash advance things cause she, she had some challenges during the pandemic, including a uh, family member passing away and, and some things like that, that we, we helped with from a financial perspective. But anyway, I was on email chain with her recently and, and her, uh, manager and, um, you know, she, she had recently flown to a few different events for us to help cover for some other managers. And she said, you know, these, we, we thanked her for doing that. She said, these are the links you go to when you love your team and you love what you do. Right. And, um, that's like the highest praise that I think any manager could receive. So yeah, challenges are tough. And like you said, I mean, um, all, bo all boats rise with the tide. Right. Um, so when it's, when, when things are not going well, what does that look like? And, um, you know, I think we were able to commit to a lot of our, um, team members, unfortunately, not all of them. I wish, I wish we could have kept all of them. Um, but we were able to commit to, um, a lot of our team members and, and, uh, now we're, I think, uh, we have even, even better relationship than ever because we all went through a very vulnerable, tough time together. And I think we were very honest and open with them about here's the challenge. Here's where we're at. And, we want to keep you and we want to figure out what that looks like. And we had individual conversations with each of them and, and found a, a way forward. And I think that built a lot of trust between our teammates. And I think whenever you go through a challenging time with somebody, um, you know, I think all of us who love our family members and have, have a strong marriage or things like that, usually it's because you went through some really hard things together and that, that can help 
uh, forge you together. You know, I'm, um, there's a million examples of, you know, analogies for that, you know, uh, and, you know, stealing the fire and all that, you know, but you get it right. Like when you go through a hard time, that really does bring you together. And when you can get through that, you, you develop a lot of trust with the other uh, individual on the other side. So how do you think, um, prior to COVID, how your culture was to where it is now, uh, what are the stark differences or noticeable things that you see how you guys operate has changed from before COVID to now and attributing to all of the reasons and rationale you gave? What are some examples? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, I think, I think COVID forced us to be more transparent, um, like literally about financials, right? Like, hey, here's our four-year I mean, I just did this with several team members. We looked at our four-year forecast and where we are now and where we want to be. And, you know, I think um, we have a more intelligent workforce now. Um, They were intelligent people. I just mean about our business, right? So they, I think, know more about how we win as a company, how we make money, Um, you know, what, what factors are most important in delivering a great customer service experience. So I think there's a lot of education that happened and, um, you know, shame on us for maybe not being more proactive about it, but when we were forced into it, but because of that transparency, I think, again, we form more trust and they learn more about the business. And so definitely a, a big part of what I'm seeing is a lot more um, innovation. I know that's a, just a buzzword, but really all that means is good ideas. And we look at good ideas and put them into practice. So um, other things that came out of it um, were more frequent communication, uh, not just with individual manners and uh, managers and one-on-ones, because I think that's really important, and maybe we'll get a chance to talk about that. But also, um, you know, as a as an executive team, we started looking for more opportunities to talk with our team about uh, challenges we were facing. So, for example, we do. Um, it's been it started weekly, and and uh, lately it's it's on me. I need to do a better job, but it's been more like every two weeks we I do a a little video. It's pretty quick, just with how we're at, how we're doing some performance numbers. We give some shout outs and we talk about people who went above and beyond over the last week or two. Um, and then usually there's like one challenge at least that I'll bring up, like, here's some things we're facing and, and what are your thoughts? And we get a lot of great feedback and, and, and sometimes it comes directly to me and other times it goes up through their uh, manager or supervisor. But um, I definitely think to me like that, constant feedback loop and innovative ideas and whatever you want to call that. That's definitely a big stark difference I've seen from pre-COVID to, to now. And, and man, that's what you want, right? There's always going to be problems in a business. Um, but what, what excites me is when you see your team members um, diving in, rolling up their sleeves and trying to solve that problem and working together mm-hmm. as a team to solve that problem, that's when you know you've got um, – at least the start of a, a good culture, which is great. Awesome. I think, I think everything you described is resilience. Like that's uh, a perfect culmination. Like your team is now becoming resilient when the needs are the most at these type of yeah. challenging, uh, challenging times. So that, no, that's awesome. That's uh, very cool to hear. And seeing those differences is also really good to hear um, from how your organization behaviors of your team changed as a result of COVID. So it's actually like you said, make you guys better, <laughs> more resilient, more innovative, and, uh, you know, be able to go in and solve problems. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think, um, you know, long-term we are and will be stronger as, as a result of, of that challenge and, and there will be more to come and I'm sure they'll, that we'll get stronger for it as well. Awesome. So talk to me about you as the president of your company, how is it that, like, you know, you're a nationwide organization, you have managers probably all over the country, I'm, I'm assuming yeah. a little bit here, so correct me if I'm wrong. How do you maintain in this remote, uh, you know, world, I'm assuming you are always remote, but uh, with at least the regional managers yeah, and stuff, right. how are you making sure to keep that human connection and mentorship? What's your approach and how do you, how do you approach it? Yeah, uh, we talked earlier about, the importance of that personal connection at work, right? Uh, I mean, studies show that's kind of, for most people anyway, for the average person, that's um, where you drive most of your job satisfaction. And then within that, that manager relationship is really, really important. And so having, um, I think, really strong 
supervisors, leaders, managers, whatever you call them in your, your organization throughout, throughout the organization is really, really important. And I think um, cultures really begin to shift uh, when that happens. So um, a, a quick example from a previous organization and uh, that I think helps illustrate the point. Uh, I mentioned I used to work at a 400-person call center. I, when I was the VP of Inside Sales, we grew from about 150 up to that 400. And, um, when I took over, there wasn't a lot of structure around the teams. There were managers over individual teams, but there were a lot of teams, like you know, 20 teams, and it all kind of funneled up to me. And that felt unreasonable. Like it felt it was already it had already grown too big for me to give any one individual man manager the attention they needed. So we added some director levels. And um, the biggest change we made, and I didn't know all this employee satisfaction stuff back then, by the way, about the interpersonal, you know, it just, I learned it through experience. Um, the biggest change we made was we started investing in training those managers of those teams, um, you know, performance training and sales training, but also culture training, right? How do you have an effective one-on-one? -on -one? How do you show an employee that you care about them? Pretty basic stuff. Um, but we, we would look at, you know, we'd have a little book club and we'd read books and we'd talk about them as a management team and we'd have monthly uh, manager meetings. And the biggest thing we like focused on harped on was you need to have a weekly one-on-one -on -one with every member of your team. Occasionally, if you had a really part-time person every two weeks, but you need to be frequently talking about near-term work with them on a, on a frequent basis. Now, ideally it's happening more than weekly. You're having informal, not truly one-on-ones, but informal touch points every day, right? Um, but uh, you need to have at least one weekly one-on-one -on -one where you're giving them feedback, you're giving them, you're, you're taking an opportunity to coach them. And we started doing quarterly surveys of the employees about their manager experience. And without fail, the teams that performed the best had managers who had frequent one-on-ones. They, they didn't miss one-on-ones. Interestingly enough, they didn't always rank the highest on the quality of the one-on-one, -on -one, which I think is kind of interesting. Like it seemed the frequency, at least in, in our organization, the frequency mattered more than the quality. So just the act of like showing up to the one-on-one -on -one and connecting with that person, even if you weren't fully prepared, made a huge difference. And you saw a, a, a like a 20% bump typically in the in overall sales with those folks who had those frequent one-on-ones compared to the managers who weren't doing that. Um, organizationally, we went from like 300% turnover. It was a call center again, remember? So like you're literally replacing your team three times a year uh, down to just under 100%. Obviously still higher than we wanted to be, but given that we were hiring mostly college students um, in a call center, we made big improvements in the turnover aspect. Um, we were more effective sales-wise. I, I can't remember those numbers anymore, to be honest. But I tell that story because I, I, I became a huge believer in one-on-ones from that experience. And um, again, I, I think obviously a, a well-prepared one-on-one is better uh, than, than a, a not-prepared one-on-one. But any one-on-one -on -one is better than no one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> and I think the point there, right, is just you need to be connecting with your people. And um, ideally, you're connecting with them more often than once a week. I, my team, we talk way more than once a week, but we do have a formal one-on-one -on -one set scheduled same time every week. Um, and we, we do our best to stick to that. And I think that's really important. And so for us as a, as a group, um, our executive team having one-on-ones with their managers, our managers having one-on-ones with their people, um, that's really, really important aspect of what keeps our culture going. And I think honestly, um, you know, as companies grow, it gets, it gets challenging to keep the culture the same, but I usually feel like that's where it disintegrates. It disintegrates because you have leaders who are not servant leaders anymore. Um, you have middle manager folks who maybe are not getting the training and development they need to become a better leader. And as a result, um, for lack of a better term, the front line really starts to suffer and you see it in their performance and you see it in their execution. And so, um, I, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of things we can do better as an organization, a ton, and, and we need, and we, there's a lot of things we can do to improve, but my main, uh, the main thing for me that I think impacts our 
uh, company and in previous organizations I've worked for is when you have great servant leaders throughout the organization, um, man, t- things tend to go a lot better. Awesome. No, thank you for those insights. That was, that was really good. How, how big is your organization and how many leaders, managers do you guys have? Yeah. So our, our executive team is, uh, five individuals, um, middle, uh, the office managers out in the, uh, operations, there's 15, um, mm-hmm. that cover several States. So those are the operations, most important kind of general manager position. Um, we also have, uh, a couple people at corporate that support those office managers. Um, I think total, our organization is about a hundred individuals, about a mm-hmm. hundred people. Um, and then on the sales side, we have, um, some, some managers as well who help our sales teams. Got it. And so you personally, just out of curiosity, how many one-on-one seed do you a week? <laughs> yeah. So mine is just with the executive team. Um, got it. so, so I've got four, um, got that, uh, so I, I've, now have less than I've had in a long time. Actually, when I, when we first started the company, I had a lot more. Um, but, um, what's great is when when we have Mm one-on-ones every week, we talk about their people, right? How are your Mm -hmm. people doing and what can your individual, uh, this individual or that individual do better? Um, I structure my to do's based on the people I have one-on-ones with. So my direct reports and, and, or direct supports, the people that I, I, my teammates, my team, I organize my to-dos under them. And that helps me to remind myself that my goal as a leader is to make their environment better, to help them improve their, their organization and their processes. And um, so that, that's just one little way I kind of remind myself that that's your goal as the leader is to, help them do what they do best and to help their people do, do what they do best. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, a little bit about our structure. Awesome. Thank you. I just out of curiosity, do you face any, do you ever face any, um, um, like around you, I guess you kind of described your structure, but you also kind of said like, you don't come from a dental background and yeah. there's a lot of this medical, expertise at play and sometimes that brings about politics or power struggles and decision making kind of things is there any do you have any examples of that or anything that's happening there or how you've dealt with um kind of being in a position of power but you know having a lot of experts around you in different areas Um, it just pops in my mind because it feels like it feels like i've seen before and heard before situations where you know, that power dynamic exists and as humans with all the, all the best intents, we're still going to yeah. come to the table with different perspectives and have to work through these types of these, these situations. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I think I see what you're saying. I think to, to because of, um, my complete lack of dental experience, I really do heavily rely on our, our experts, right. Our, our dental director, um, the dentists we work with throughout the field. So for me personally, I don't really get that involved in the clinical decisions. Um, we really trust them. Um, Lane, my COO, he's got a great uh, set of standard operating procedures. I know um, several people who've worked for us and, and left even said like, you guys have some of the most, you know, some of the best standard operating procedures I've seen at it for a dental office. And I think that's a credit to um, our experts and dental experts working with our COO on, on, um, you know, coming up with, with all our pr- protocols and procedures and following, of course, all the state and, you know, CDC type guidelines that, that are out there. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I think maybe the only time I've really seen that is where maybe individual, individual dentists, for instance, want their individual tools, right? Like, oh, I like this tool best. I like that tool best. And that's probably the only time where we've kind of had to put our foot down and say, listen, it is not scalable if you have to in every org- every area buy a bunch of different stuff and supplies for a bunch of different dentists and employees. Sure. And so I think we have a pretty like, this is our equipment, we vetted it, and this is what we feel is best. That's kind of the only um, time I've, I've really seen that um, in a big way. Uh, you know, I think another reason we're fortunate, we don't do everything. We don't do root canals and implants and we're kind of doing bread and butter dentistry, which has been around for, 
you know, a really long time. And, um, sure. I think it's pretty straightforward what we do. So, but to your power struggle point, um, you know, I think there's, I'm a big believer in the importance of trust with teams and there's kind of two things I think about when I think of trust and, and, um, Stephen R. Covey, Stephen Covey's son has a book called speed of trust where he talks about this, but he talks about character trust, right? So your integrity, do you work hard? The, you know, do what's right when no one's looking kind of stuff and your, uh, competency trust. So you're good at the job. So, um, one could say it's doing the right thing is competent or excuse me, is uh, the character trust and doing things right is the competency trust. And, um, obviously the, the character trust is table stakes and is kind of the most important thing when it comes to any employee, employer, teammate relationship, right? Do I trust that this person's working hard? They're trying their best. They're an honest individual, but the competency ports, part is really important too, right? You want to make sure that people are developing their skills. They're constantly improving. Um, a great example with our organization, you may think I'm a nice swell guy and you have character trust with me, but you would not come to me for dental work because I'm not a dentist and I don't have that competency, right? So, um, you know, I think uh, with power struggle type stuff, um, a lot of times what I, I look at is, you know, can you trust the character of the individuals involved, the character trust, right? Competency trust to some degree can be trained. Now, I'm not suggesting we like train dentists, like, you know, you you need to have gone through dental school, have 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 experienced hygiene, hygienists the same way, but you can train aspects of the job. Sales, certainly you can train sales traits, right? You can train helping people solve interpersonal conflict and solve problems. When that's the conversation and when you're just trying to help people see, hey, look, you both have good characters and let's maybe do a better job of assuming the best intent in each other, right? Let's not go to the worst extreme when something bad happens. When you can help them kind of meet on that level and then you train them a little bit on the competency standpoint of here's a better way to approach that situation. Here's a better way to let's ask questions first before we assume, you know, those kinds of things. Um, I'm That's what leaders are there for, right? You're, you're there to help with those kinds of things. What I typically get mad at and and don't really have much patience for is when I can't trust the character of an individual. When I no longer, when I lose character trust, um, those people um, find their way out of the organization, <laughs> whether forcefully or or on their own, because um, you know that's that's table stakes. You have to be able to to have character trust. Now, I'm not saying people don't make mistakes. Um, we all make mistakes, but do you have the ability to? say you're sorry and own up to things. And, and you know, that, that matters. So for me, when it comes to power struggle type stuff, that's kind of the question I ask, can I trust the character of these individuals? And are they just kind of having, you know, a, maybe they're, they're letting their ego a little too much, but ultimately do I trust these individuals from past experience and whatever? And can, can we work through that? So anyway, that was a really long winded answer to your question. No, I, I love it. I think that, <laughs> I think that's a, we talk about this all the time, right? In the in our line of work, and and when we talk about trust is front and center in every conversation in all its forms. Yeah. And so we we kind of, we kind of divide ours in different ways as well. And yeah, so you're you're kind of really hitting the nail on the head. And and it's great to see it in practice when it comes to having vulnerable trust for you know one another. It's it it requires a little bit more than just um, what you've seen them do before, what you know they're capable of, but it actually yeah. goes into that trust that's less tangible, but but definitely definitely felt. So that, that was really insightful. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Um, before we close out, I want to shift gear just a little bit and talk about your podcast just a little bit. Sure. Um, because, um, yeah, you, you mentioned earlier, you, you used to be on the other side of the <laughs> microphone here. So, yeah. so tell us about that show. Tell us about what, what, how that happened. Yeah. Um, so it's called the winning teams podcast. And, um, the whole goal is, is pretty similar to, to yours. Um, probably a little bit more amateur than your guys podcast, but we're, we're, <laughs> we're trying, we're doing the best we can, but the goal is we're, we're interviewing, um, leaders and talking about what it takes to have a winning culture or a winning team, right? What, what was their experience? So we've interviewed, um, CEOs and VP and CHROs, a lot of HR folks, um, as well as 
retired NFL athletes who now are in business, right? And and it's interesting to get those perspectives um, across the board. We we had the pleasure of having Mo on our show, and his show comes out uh, shortly, and uh, it was awesome. We we got to hear uh, his story, and um, I won't, and I'm sure you guys have started, shared the story on here, so I won't repeat it. But um, it was awesome, and I'm I'm really looking forward to that. So that's the Winning Teams podcast. That's what it's all about, and um, kind of how it started was we just uh, felt like we work with all these great organizations and great leaders in these organizations who have a story to tell and um, primarily who we speak with in organizations is HR. And so we were trying to think of, you know, a, what, what is content that they may be interested in from just a pure marketing standpoint, right? Like I'll, I'll be honest, like there's a marketing play there a little bit, but for me personally, um, I love it because I get to meet a lot of really interesting people I get to hear uh, a lot of great advice, um, and um, it's just been a lot of fun for for me. So it's definitely not my day job. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a great podcast host or anything, but there's great content on on it because we're just inter interviewing uh, really interesting people with really great stories to tell, and I think you can get a lot out of it. So it's been a lot of fun. Awesome, absolutely. Um- Kind of feel the same gonna, way. Yeah, go ahead. Mom. I was just gonna ask, like, um, based on all of the podcasts you've done, what are the common themes that you've seen? If you could just give us like the common theme from all the leaders you've interviewed yeah. and stuff, what do you think is like the pattern that you've seen that could be really insightful for our audience to share? Ooh, that's a good question. I should I should uh, probably start writing writing uh, common themes down every single time. I'll tell you. Um, I think uh, the first thing that comes to mind is transparency. So almost every show, someone brings up honesty, transparency, whatever you want to call it. Um, and ultimately, what I th- the reason I think that comes up a lot, and, and people flat out say this, uh, is because connecting with your teammates and building trust with your teammates requires it. Uh, if you want to build trust, you have to have a level of vulnerability and transparency. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. Um, I have a personal story from from my own uh, life that relates to this. I um, I remember when I was this VP at you know pretty pretty young and experienced VP at this company, this call center. Um, we would do uh, Patrick Lencioni suggests this in his Five Dysfunctions of a Team book to build vulnerability trust. We would do every so often we get together and uh, in a room all of our managers we would say the one thing that most positively affects the team about each person. And then you go around the room and say the one thing they need to stop or improve to help the team grow. And um, we always just start with me and, and uh, everybody go through. And I remember one of our managers, um, he told me about a time where we were not pacing to hit our goal. It was kind of getting near the end of the month. And I basically said, um, yeah, I mean, we're not going to hit this month, but let's do the best we can. And then we'll, We'll figure it out next month kind of thing. I don't remember exactly what I said. It was something to that degree. And he told me that, you know, in hindsight, maybe it's obvious, but he told me like, man, that just absolutely deflated me. Like here, my leader was that like, I trusted to lead me into battles was kind of his words. He said, and you were basically saying like, you didn't believe in us and there was no way we could hit this goal. Here, I thought I was like being just Mr. Realistic, you know, and, 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 um, that like deflated him and it was a really good learning moment for me and something I've never forgotten, um, that, um, you know, when I'm being realistic with the team to never cast out or, you know, you still have to build it with belief, right? It's okay to address what's going wrong, but still have that belief of, but, you know, we can still, here's how we can still do this. And that was a really good learning moment for me. Um, So that's what I think we're talking about when we're talking about vulnerability trust, like being able to go to your leader and give pretty hard feedback, like it hurt when I got it, but it also was like, I had to hear that. Right. And I needed that in order to coach that team teammate better. So that's definitely one theme that has come across uh, time and time again. Um, We talk a lot also about values so values tends to come up in in most of the conversations and i think um 
it's less about what your values are and more about that you have them and you're, they're unique to you. It's something that your team really rallies around and cares about, right? So um, there's a lot of literature on this, but um, I think that um, it's important that, again, it's, it's unique to your culture and who you are. And um, it's okay if maybe those values need to change and, and be a little bit organic um, as the company grows and uh, you know maybe address needs differently. But um, one of the guests we had that um, talked about uh, his value said something really interesting. Scott Johnson, he's owner of Motivosity. He had a company that he sold to Adobe for uh, over a billion dollars, very successful guy. And his company now, it's just kind of a labor of love. He doesn't need money. It's just he, he loves what he's doing. And he said something interesting. He said, your value should cost you something. So one of their values is stay young. And he said, you know, what that looks like in my organization is sometimes people take work off for a couple hours to go play pickleball to stay young. And that cost me some actual time and productivity when people are away from the office. But what I get in return is this vibrant, young, excited workforce. And I don't mean like actually young. They have old people there. So don't, don't, don't mistake what I'm saying here. But this, this idea of staying young, and I've seen his employees post pictures of him shooting a Nerf gun in their office at someone else, right? And so just this idea of, you know, we may lose some productivity time here to go away and have fun, but they put their their money where their mouth is when it comes to their values and it actually costs them something. So that's probably the second thing I would say. And then third, Mo, I would just say is like, it's is very similar to your podcast and they don't always say it this way, but that you should love your team and you should be trying to build a place where people love to come to work. And that looks like and feels like a bunch of different things. Um, you know, I've had folks who've told us about client services and how to be better client service people. I've had people tell us about how to recruit better, but ultimately it does come down to that. What is that human experience in the office? And if you don't love who you work with and you don't love what you do, usually life's pretty miserable. And so <laughs> way we talk a lot about any and all aspects of how, how to improve that. Um, and so it's a lot of fun. Awesome. No, thanks for that summary. That was really good. I appreciate you sharing your insights. Uh, sorry to put you on the spot too, but I think you did no, great No, no, I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I wrote it down. Your value should cost you something. I love that. Yes. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, Jordan, thank you so much. Um, you know, hearing your stories today and having kind of having your experience and kind of that journey really um, just was a real pleasure. So I really, really appreciate you having uh, taken the time to come join us today and, and, and sharing so much. Yeah. Thanks guys. I love everything you're about. I love what you're doing. I love the message you're sending and, and sharing and, and it's a lot of fun. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. And to our listeners, as always, we will be releasing new episodes every week on Wednesday and I'll never miss an opportunity to keep plugging our book by the same name. Love is a business strategy. It's a bestseller. Go check it out. Um, and if you like what you hear, as always, please leave us a review. Uh, give us five stars, tell your friends and all that good stuff. Muhammad, thanks for joining as well. Jordan, hope to have you back soon. And with that, I'll be signing off. Everybody have a great day.